Hi everyone, welcome back to In A Click, a podcast about unveiling the mysteries of our digitally networked world. I'm your host, Jamili, and today we're going to chat about one of the most urgent and complex concerns of 21st century educators, the causes and consequences of the digital divide, which also happens to be the topic of my PhD research, so I'm very excited to share this with you. In a nutshell, inequities have spread insidiously across educational landscapes, creating what's known as a digital divide between those who do and those who do not experience the affordances of technology. Concern for life trajectories is so rampant that scholars urge for it to be considered in the pantheon of 21st century inequalities. It's an economic concern as school boards contemplate how to ensure equal access to digital tools and resources for all students. It raises questions about how teachers can inspire more students of color, Indigenous students, and women and girls to pursue STEM fields. It sparks debate about how to manage student safety, privacy, and behavior, while also encouraging democratic participation online. Dependent on researcher approaches and context, accounts of this digital divide are nuanced and represent a mixed phenomenon of dystopia and caution. I am here to just spread a little bit of awareness. In today's episode, I define and describe the historical delineation of the digital divide, the first, second, and third level, and trace it to contemporary digital divide discourses in Canadian schools. Okay, let's get started. The first level digital divide. In the 1990s, the digital divide was primarily used to describe a divide related to lack of access to a digital device at home that connects to the internet. Researchers approached this first level digital divide solely from an access perspective. A 2000 study indicated that divides were greater for new technologies and decreased for saturated technologies. At the time, access to computers and the internet separated household haves and have-nots. However, as more people began to use the internet, the divide became more of a comparison between have-less and have-more groups. In 2013, MediaSmarts conducted a nationwide Canadian survey of 5,436 students in grades 4 to 11 to investigate the function of network technologies in their lives. Results indicated that 99% of students had access to the internet outside of school. Half of the students surveyed connected to the internet via a shared family computer, so a laptop, tablet, or desktop. Some students, so 6%, accessed computers at local libraries and community centers. And boys were 27% more likely than girls at 18% to have access to a personal desktop computer at home, which I found really interesting. Some research posits that this gendered divide is linked to the rise of marketed personal computers, mainly to men and boys. So for example, in the United States, a study conducted by Hen found that parents are more likely to purchase a computer for their male child, even if their female child is really interested in computers. So a literature review on the state of digital literacy in Canada conducted by the Brookfield Institute for Innovation and Entrepreneurship in 2017 found that oftentimes digital skills such as programming and coding are self-taught. And when students have access to a digital device at home to tinker with, their skill sets excel more rapidly. Scholars reason that girls' lesser digital participation is embedded in culture and does not reflect their interest or their skill level. 
Canada is arguably considered a country with privileged segments of populations that have access to a digital device that connects to the internet all of the time. However, there are segments of the population that still lag behind. According to a study conducted in 2014, these divides are no coincidence and reflect existing social inequalities in Canada. Their 2014 study found that divides in access persist and socioeconomic status, education, rural indigenous communities, immigration status, and age, and other complex layers affecting access patterns and rates, play a role in the 20% of Canadians who remain unconnected. Infrastructure gaps in remote rural and indigenous communities, as well as financial access barriers among low-income Canadian residents, are contributing to this divide. So according to a 2015 Canadian Radio, Television and Telecommunications Commission report, 59% of Canada's lowest income households have access to the internet at home, compared to 98% of Canada's highest income households. Additionally, a 2014 report by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development found that fewer than 4% of Canadian residents have high-speed fiber connections, below the U.S. at 8.8% and the OECD average at 16.5%. According to a report by the Pew Research Center, internet access divides are predicted to become ubiquitous within the next decade. Experts foresee Quote, an ambient information environment where accessing the internet will be effortless and most people will tap into it so easily it will flow through their lives like electricity, end quote. These expert predictions become less idealistic and more realistic in light of a new program created by SpaceX CEO Elon Musk to launch large satellites into space to provide reliable and affordable global internet coverage from low orbit over Earth. The first batch of satellites launched in January 2018, and they served as a demonstration to test how to deploy more satellites in the future, but the program boasts potential and full fruition. Until equitable access is achieved, perhaps when the final six batches of satellites are launched into orbit by Elon Musk, educators are tasked to be creative and resourceful to address dimensions of access gaps. While work is being done to expand internet access in Canadian classrooms, implementation is dependent on available hardware, software, and infrastructure, school, school board, and institution policies, and teachers' digital literacy confidence, competence, and training. The uneven deployment of digital literacies learning at the policy, school, or classroom level creates imbalanced learning opportunities that contribute to substantial disparities in digital literacies learning in particular for Indigenous students living on reserve who lack access to reliable, affordable broadband access, students of low economic status who lack digital access at home, and Francophone students who require digital support and opportunities to demonstrate development of digital literacy skills at school in their own language. These results echo a study conducted by Gillis in 2018, who found that the greatest gaps in access exist in provinces such as Newfoundland and Labrador and Prince Edward Island and in remote rural and indigenous communities. Providing broadband access and digital devices in school, however, cannot bridge the digital divide. 
Yes, access to Wi-Fi coupled with digital devices ensures that students who cannot afford a device at home have access at school. But providing access at school does not remedy the hardware gap for low-income students to complete assignments at home. Additionally, once students graduate, the hardware gap does not disappear, and those who experience a digital divide are left behind once again. Perhaps most importantly, ensuring equal access to internet or digital devices at school is irrelevant if students are not taught how to use the device. In Canada, despite significant government investments in digital literacy and growth in program offerings, access to training and support to harness literacy and numeracy skills, confidence and navigation skills remains a barrier, most notably for people living outside of major urban centers and in low-income neighborhoods. Additionally, the poorest school districts are under the most pressure to raise literacy achievement test scores. But because students are not tested for digital components, there's little incentive to include new literacies in instruction. In this way, the poorest students experience a double disadvantage because they have less access at home and less skills training at school. For students with disabilities, appropriate teaching tools and devices are even less accessible. As I expand upon in the next section, digital equity is about more than access to Wi-Fi and digital devices. Part 2, The Second Level Digital Divide In 2001, DiMaggio and Hargitay were two of the first scholars to introduce a definition of the second level digital divide by examining differences in digital usage among people with access. So alongside DiMaggio and Hargitay, many scholars are concerned that the diffusion and increase of internet access since the 1990s has not benefited all users to perform tasks effectively in a digital environment. As forms of online disadvantage mutate, the second level digital divide has birthed research that is concerned with not only the functional or technical aspects of operating digital tools in digital environments, or the range of activities performed online, but also the correlation between usage and socio-emotional and cognitive aspects of online activities. Although a universal definition of the second level digital divide is non-existent, the through line is that level of online activity, types of online activity, and level of online skill predict second level digital divides. In a Canadian context, scholars have birthed limited research on the second-level digital divide. The central findings of my limited investigation indicate that differences in internet access parallel the findings for online activity level. So, in 2013, MediaSparts conducted a Canadian survey of 5,436 students in grades 4 to 11 to examine online usage and found that regardless of gender, digital devices are primarily used for social network services. So, to communicate and socialize, follow friends and celebrities, and for entertainment purposes, so downloading, streaming, gaming, pranking. Relatedly, a Canadian study conducted by ICTC found that students believe they have excellent digital skills, particularly in regard to mobile devices, social media, and office software. Survey findings from a study conducted by Actua in 2018 also found that 64% of young Canadians with no difference by gender are generally confident in their ability to use digital technology such as smartphones, computers, and tablets. These findings echo previous research about youth as skilled with social networking, texting and downloading, and less skilled at online comprehension such as locating and critically evaluating information. 
and producing their own online content. Students' online civic participation has also been found to be quite low, with less than a third of students who have commented on news sites, half who have shared links to current events or news stories, and approximately one-third who have joined an online activist group. Furthermore, in 2018, a national survey by Actua was conducted to assess Canadian youth and parents' attitudes and confidence toward coding and digital technology-related careers. This is interesting. Results indicate that 92% of Canadian parents or guardians and youth believe that knowing how to use digital technologies like smartphones and computers will be very or extremely important to future careers, of course. Differences in household income and education are factors in the perceived importance of digital technologies. And this is where it gets juicy. So for instance, parents and guardians with a post-secondary education are 13% more likely than those with high school or less to consider digital technologies as extremely important for future careers. So the survey reveals a link between children's perceptions of the importance of technologies, 66%, and their parent-slash-guardian's education and income, which is 57%. So Actua's 2018 National Student Survey also investigated students' perspectives on their digital skills development. Results indicate that only a third of Canadian students report that coding or programming classes are provided at school, and more than half of Canadian students consider their opportunities to learn digital skills insufficient. A substantial proportion of students who have access to these classes are determined by parents' household income, post-secondary education, and region, as 4 in 10 students in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and British Columbia have access to instruction, and only 2 in 10 in Quebec. More than half of the students requested more opportunities to learn coding in school. In terms of gender differences, results from a study conducted by Actua to assess confidence levels toward coding and digital technology-related careers revealed a persistent gender gap between boys' and girls' confidence in their coding and programming abilities, with boys at 41% confident and girls at 28% confident. A substantial gender gap was also found between boys and girls who are interested in digital technology-related careers, so 72% of boys are interested and only 57% of girls are interested. Boys reported higher levels of interest and confidence in their abilities is not necessarily evidence that they are more skilled or better equipped for digital careers than girls. Rather, recent studies conducted by psychologists in the U.S. suggest that gender stereotypes about brilliance and innate talent, underrepresentation in STEM fields, and discouragement in social conditioning shape girls' ideas about intellectual ability, interest, and career aspirations, and predict changes in confidence, abilities, and interest in STEM. Stereotypes about ethnicity, race, and socioeconomic status have also been found to predict changes in confidence and interest in STEM fields. Multiple scholars in the U.S. agree that to increase the number of females and students of low socioeconomic status in the industry, the kinds of peer status, or lack thereof, and identities attached to certain types of technical skills are an area that warrants more research. Moving on to Canada's adult population, a survey conducted in 2014 found that Canadians aged 16 and older in the highest income bracket complete 1.4 more activities online than those in the lowest bracket. Consistent with findings from a, the 2013 Pew report on social networking site adoption, 
no variation in SNS usage by income level is observed. In other words, all income categories use social networking sites to the same extent, which indicates that once access barriers are overcome, income does not predict social network usage. However, the education divide persists in terms of level of online activity and SNS usage. So findings confirm the trend that higher levels of education are associated with greater rates of online activity. Recent immigrants to Canada, for example, are less likely to have internet access, but those with access have a higher level of online activity than Canadian-born residents and earlier immigrants. Access divides cease to exist between men and women. However, a statistically significant difference remains in terms of online activities. Results indicate a higher rate of online activity completed by men. This finding aligns with the 2005 Pew report that men are more active and complete more activities online than women. Consistent with previous research, however, social network site usage among women is higher. Furthermore, a survey of adult skills conducted in 2013 by Stats Canada found that the majority of Canadians are above the OECD average in problem-solving and technology use skills, which is defined as using digital technology, communications tools, and networks to acquire and evaluate information, communicate with others, and perform practical tasks. The highest-scoring people live in Alberta at 39.5%. Contrarily, 15% of Canadians rank below level 1, meaning they are unable to use basic software, a web browser, or email. The lowest scoring Canadian residents live in Nunavut. In terms of career development, approximately 25% of Canadian women are in ICT professions, which is lower than the US and EU countries. Women are more likely than men to leave the STEM profession and cite working conditions and work-life integration as the primary reason. Interestingly, women's attendance in private boot camps for coding and programming in the U.S. is much higher than university-level computer science. As previously mentioned, researchers determine that the gender divide in formal education is not determined by women's lack of interest in STEM, but by social and economic inequalities. As Robinson put it, countries with more gender equality have higher ratios of women in STEM and ICT. Even factors such as socioeconomic status and proficiency levels have less to do with women choosing computer science than social encouragement from family, schools, and peers. Because social encouragement is such a great indicator of women entering STEM, ICTC argues that STEM courses in school must be promoted to women and girls. Exclusion of Indigenous populations in ICT and STEM careers is also rampant. The ICTC found that only 3% of Indigenous people are in ICT and 3.7% in STEM. Carpenter in 2012 found that women in rural or remote Indigenous communities are active users of ICT and use it to preserve culture and history and maintain communication. Multiple scholars conclude that community-based approaches to ICT, based on democratic dispersal of technology, decreases digital divides within the Indigenous community. Additionally, scholars argue that Canada's approach to digital literacy training should be reframed to empower community-centered digital development that is designed by and with Indigenous communities and schools. Canadian research on digital usage suggests that there remains a fundamental role for government policies, educational institutions, and researchers to aid in the reduction of the second-level digital divide. 
While research on access, use, and skills are unquestionably vital to understanding digital divides, scholars query that development of digital skills does not always lead to more beneficial outcomes. This query has generated a third branch of digital divide research that seeks to investigate not only digital access, use, and skills, but also the consequences of digital use, which is expanded in the subsequent section, the third level digital divide. The third level digital divide. So in 2011, Wei, Tio, Chen, and Tan were the first to label the third level digital divide. Alongside Chan and colleagues, many scholars in the United States argue that the discourse of digital divides should be approached not only from an internet access, skills, and use perspective, but should also include the consequences of internet use. So, the digital divide discourse has shifted and birthed a third level digital divide, whereby researchers are concerned about internet access and skills and the tangible outcomes of internet use. A third level digital divide is caused by a variety of factors and is identified when the possession of internet use and skill do not lead to beneficial outcomes. In pursuit of additional research on the third level digital divide, I found that internet outcomes are less studied and in the current moment, no research has been conducted in Canada. What is known, however, is that literature that focuses on internet outcomes primarily aims to distinguish between the kinds of skills necessary to acquire benefits to bridge the digital divide. As a case in point, Mossberger, Tolbert, and Stansbury in 2013 distinguished technical competence, so technical competence is the ability to operate hardware and software, from information literacy, which is the ability to retrieve information or resources to solve a problem. Other scholars, such as Van Dersen and colleagues, differentiate between technical skills, so the basic ability to use the internet, information navigation skills, so the ability to find, select, and evaluate information, and social skills, the ability to communicate online and interact online, to exchange meaning and acquire knowledge and social capital. And finally, creative skills, so the ability to create and share different kinds of content. Okay, there you have it. A brief overview of the digital divide in Canada. Now, there are ways to bridge the digital divide based on research and literature, and I do hope to share that chunk of research with you soon, so please do stay tuned. As always, if you have any questions or require further resources, please, please, please let me know. Thank you.